Your challenge, if you choose to accept it, is this. Let's go, let's go! Show up on day one, work out with us for 30 minutes, feel good right away. Yo! Repeat five days a week for three weeks. Three weeks? Five workouts a week. We're body, and we call that a body block. You pick the block, and you're going to love the experience. On week four, this part is really important. Take the week off. Seriously, we mean it. Rest, go on vacation, or try something new. Maybe some yoga. Notice you're not holding on to any tension here. Or a dance class. Get sexy with it, daddy. You do you. And then start again. Be committed to this process. Choose a new body block each month. Get a new challenge each month. Have fun every day. Avoid burnout. You're not going to quit on yourself today. This is how you reach your goals. You win? There is nothing that we can't do if we work together. Sign up for your first body block today. Visit body.com for a free trial. That's B-O-D-I Are you ready to get started? This podcast is sponsored by Cleaner Seas Group. Through innovation and engagement of people, businesses and governments, they aim to eradicate microplastic pollution from all angles. The goal is to spread awareness so that people can make informed choices and be part of the solution. For more information, please visit cleanerseasgroup.com. Today I'm joined by Anita Chatterjee, who has made a name for herself as a founder CEO of public relations agency A-Game PR. As a female entrepreneur of colour, her stated mission is to raise the profile of female and minority founders in the only ingredient you need to ensure your stories are told in the world's top media outlets. doing good 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 it's just it's great talking to you anisha i'm i'm so honored to be on this podcast and you know it's always nice to connect with other amazing south asian women well you're in the uk so you guys refer to yourself as asian um you know connecting with other asian women who are ambitious and you know value the importance of being independent women so it's just it's awesome to connect thank you i love that so as you know, my podcast is called The Naughty Bites. I always like to ask one question. What is your guilty pleasure? Oh, I have so many. Um, but, you know, I think what my guilty pleasure, I would say, is French fries. Oh, nice. With, yeah. Like with ketchup or mayo or barbecue sauce or curry sauce. Like, I, you know, I'm, I love sauces. So I think it would be with yeah, it could be with all of them, honestly. I love I love I love fries with mayo. I know that's big in Europe, ketchup. Um, but yes, I could I could just eat fries all day, which is a horrible thing that. to say, but um they're just so good. And yeah, that is definitely my guilty pleasure. I like that. I really like that. Um so I want to talk about women entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you? Well, for me, being an entrepreneur is just being a game changer. Um, You know, you are not only building something that, you know, supports and, you know, gives a service to your clients and consumers, but you're also supporting people's livelihoods and, you know, 
building a life for them. So I think in general, being an entrepreneur is amazing. I know your question was, um, you know, what does it mean to be a female entrepreneur? And as a woman, I think that, you know, it's just a beautiful thing because it's just making yourself independent. Um, I think in women, as women, we deal with so much prejudice. And, you know, the, the, the truth is, the stereotypes are just horrible, right? Like, you know, there's stereotypes out there about how women should be um, as you know, what they should be like as mothers, or, um, you know, so many people, you know, growing up are just, you know, ask me like, Oh, do you know how to cook? And it's like, would you say ask those same questions to a man? Like, you know, these stereotypes are kind of, you know, making us fit a role and not letting us live the love. And I think with me being an entrepreneur, it's just, you know, it's made me be an independent woman where I could support myself and make my own decisions. And, you know, it just is really kind of, um, help me excel in life. So I think being a female entrepreneur is incredible. Like, you know, you have this power, not only within, but you know, you're also helping empower people around you. Definitely. I think, for me, I think you've narrowed the gap in, in this sort of inclusive growth in terms of, you know, the current gender roles. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Because you've, you've mentioned, you know, women deal with prejudice and it's a whole stereotype of, oh, women should be in the kitchen or they should be serving or they should be, you know, stay-at-home wives or mothers. Um, you stepped away from that, you know, and there's so many other women that have done that. But you are narrowing the gap of gender expectations that, you know, normally... Yeah, you know, you need to... What I realise in life is you need to do what's best for you. We're all different we all have you know we, we all have our strengths and weaknesses I'm horrible in the kitchen I don't think I ever will be good at it I, I have my go-to meals but it's yeah. like you know we don't have to be a certain way and I think that's you know the same thing for men you know why should men have all this pressure you know to you know fit into certain roles or do certain things and um, you know growing up I mean I was fortunate where I think me, like a lot of South Asian parents, they encourage, you know, their kids to be very ambitious and work yeah. hard. And, you know, both of my parents wanted me to be an independent woman. So that's what they got. You know, they, they never wanted me to focus on cooking or anything like that. And yeah. I mean, I think that's resulted in me not being able to do a lot of those things. So um, I don't know if it's a great thing that I don't have those life skills. But, you know, I have a husband who's very understanding to that. And we work together as a team. And, um, um, you know, we're very happy in the life that we live. And I think, you know, that's that's the whole thing. Like, you know, you as a couple, you should be happy. And these gender roles aren't just a disadvantage for women. They're a disadvantage for men, too. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud to narrow the gap. And, you know, if we want to live a happy life, we got to live by our rules. I love that so much. It reminds me of the Spice Girls, girl power. But I think there's some truth in that. And I think, you know, being a team with a husband or your partner or your boyfriend, whatever it is, I think it's good that there is an understanding of expectations in terms of like, you know, I'm not going to be a cook and I'm not going to be in the kitchen, but if it's like a partnership, I think it's so important that people have that in a relationship. You know, and it's not just me because, you know, because I'm so passionate about supporting other women, a lot of my clients have to be have happen to be female founded companies, um, like really high profile companies like ClassPass, the founder of yeah. that is Kyle Kadakia. Um, and I think she's very similar to me, right, where we're not 
you know, we're independent women. And, you know, again, it's like a partnership with her and her husband. Yeah. Um, the same thing with Sunera Mandani, who is behind a unicorn uh, yeah. called Stacks Payments. And it just kind of like you treat life like a partnership. Like, yeah. um, it's not just your, it's not like it's just your job and then your personal life. It's like everything's a lifestyle. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you kind of, you know, you, you make this partnership with you and your husband. So it's like, you know, you have that work-life balance. Um, and you could manage both things. So it's like creating partnerships with your husband, with your assistants, like, you know, creating a mini world around yourself. I think, I think so. I think as well, like, you know, coming from South, you know, South Asian roots, uh, everyone believes that hard work pays off and it it contributes to a happy life in achieving your goals. Did this sort of South Asian perspective influenced your career choice and the person you've become today absolutely I mean I think one good thing is and you know all South Asians are very different right like Mm -hmm. especially when people who are non-Indian ask me about India I'm always like well you know India is a big country the UK and US are not like India Mm -hmm. has billions of people who are all simultaneously living in like different centuries side by side to each other so you know everybody has very different perspectives. And so, you know, the way I was raised, there's a lot of Indians that were raised the same way, but then there's a lot that weren't. And I think, yeah, my parents were the type of Indians who were all about, yeah, work hard um, and, you know, and go after your goals. Of course, they encouraged me to be a doctor or a lawyer, but, (laughs) um, you know, when I didn't decide to pursue those careers, fortunately, they were fine with it. I think, you know, they were just happy that I had great work ethic and, you know, they had faith that I would figure something out which I did. So yeah, that, you know, that encouragement to be ambitious um, and make something of myself was definitely something that that helped me. I think so. Like, you know, coming when you said lawyer and you know, doctor, whatever it is, I think there's that pressure from a lot of South Asian families because it comes into those sort of careers that are safe in terms of financial stability. Mm-hmm, um, exactly. And and I think like you know a lot of my family are from that background of oh go into the medicine side because um, it's good for you. But you know, thankfully I had a supportive mother. I was like, you know what, you do what you want to do. If you want to go into food science, you do food science. If you want to go into writing, you do write whatever you want to do. Do it. And uh, I think it's difficult to step away from that sort of stereotype of what the culture expects from you because it's different. You know, you're in PR, I'm in writing. Um, or podcasting whatever it is and it's nice for people's expectations to expand and modernize with what people want nowadays as opposed to the you know core topics we're expected to study or learn at university and I think it's amazing that you've you know done that so well done well you know I think the community makes it hard too right because um as well, at least as Indian Americans, there's always like this expectation of, um, you know, becoming these, you know, basically, you know, building your careers in like fields like medicine and law. And a lot of times the community judges you if you do something different. Um, yeah. You know, I think things are thankfully changing now because, you know, you see a lot more South Asians in creative fields. Um, you know, however, when I was, you know, doing creative things, I know there was a lot of judgment out there. Like, you know, is what Anita trying to do actually going to work out? And, you know, it's funny because now I've built this, you know, this this strong company and 
And so many people are like, you know, so many people who doubted me in the past are like, oh, you're so inspirational. And I'm kind of like, you know what? Screw you. Yeah. <laughs> you never thought I'd get there. Yeah. And, you know, you definitely had your judgments about me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, it, it's great that they saw that I made it. And I hope it encourages them to, you know, pursue um, other career paths and do different things. But yeah, the community has a lot of judgment on people. And honestly, that's very hard for, for Asians in general, you know, when you have aunties or even their kids sometimes just kind of expecting you to follow this path, um, yeah. that, you know, the society assumes is right. Um, so, you know, I think it's important for all of us not to to always listen to that and just kind of, you know, go with our heart and be strong and, you know, just kind of always know that you are you know, making the right decision if you're taking care of yourself. Definitely. And I think so. And I think, you know, you know, your mission is to raise the profile of um, female and, you know, South Asian women or any of the sort of minority founders. Why have you chosen this particular statement? So with my company, A-Game, it's, um, it's, you know, it's a fairly large public relations firm. And, you know, we don't just work with, you know, South Asians. We have a wide clientele, a lot of different companies we work with in the CPG space. That's, you know, consumer packaged goods, mm-hmm. um, tech companies. We work with a lot of venture firms. And then we also have a lot of celebrity clients, you know, when they do things in the business arena. Um, but because of my personal passion, um, you know, diversity is very important to me and making sure that, um, you know, different people from all different backgrounds, um, you know, are involved in different industries. And so with being a South Asian woman, it almost makes it easier for me to support other South Asian women because I can resonate more, more with their story. And, you know, my whole thing is, you know, we... We, we need to be the change we want to see. And so I am, you know, I think, you know, my strength is being a storyteller and, um, you know, I know how to connect with the media and, you know, so I can help these people, you know, share their stories and inspire the world, which I've been doing and my team consistently does. So, um, you know, hoping that, you know, basically by me putting these stories out there for my clients, it's inspiring others and encouraging them to go after what they want to do. And that's why that's kind of become my mission. Um, Cause it's important to me and, you know, and I, I, I want people to go after their dreams. And so I think all of my clients are very inspirational in that sense. But I think, I think it's great. So then, but what has it been like for you personally in driving this change forward? Um, because you're helping to embrace your uniqueness and your client's uniqueness in a massive country. Like, you know, you're, you're competing against other PR firms, but you somehow used your secret power, like a superhero. You've used your secret power, your secret talents. How has that been in driving the change forward? You know, it's, it's, it's a very hard field. It's not easy, right, to, to get those big articles in the New York Times or Good Morning America, but we consistently do it because I think the idea, the the first priority is to kind of really see or think about, well, what does the public want to hear? And, you know, or what does not even want to hear, but what do they need? What they want, what they want to learn. And if you kind of go into it, knowing that, you know, you're, you're serving that audience then you know, you will kind of pick the right messaging from your client. 
to make sure that they're doing their job and, you know, in educating and inspiring the public. I mean, that's the whole job of the media to inform the public. And so, you know, if you want to get yourself um, in front of the right audience, that's what you need to do. And also kind of share details that have never been shared before and just kind of understanding all of those elements that are so important to getting your messaging out there is what's helped me kind of build some of the most iconic profiles um, in the country. You know, I mean, I've worked with people like Rohan Oza, who um, he was a judge on Shark Tank here in the U.S. And, you know, before he worked with me, he's never built his profile. But, you know, I've shared his, his story about how he was a pioneer in celebrity equity deals and did these amazing deals with 50 Cent and Vitamin Water and Madonna and um, Vita Coco and just so many other celebrities. And, you know, the Hollywood reporter tagged him as the Hollywood brand father because of that. And, you know, I think, you know, sharing his story is kind of like, you know, I shared a story that, you know, people wanted to learn from and be inspired by. And, and that's what really helped him build his profile. And I've, I've done that for so many people and so many different companies, too. And again, it's not just me. I have a team now. I have an amazing team a predominantly female team. Um, and they're all very smart and they have these storytelling skills, but that's what we do. And But do these people find it difficult? Like, do they try it themselves first and find it difficult in getting their message across? You know, I think that at the end of the day, you know, at some point you do need to engage with a, a PR firm because we have the relationships that we've worked on for so many years. And we also have a relationship with the media to kind of understand, you know, this is what they look for. This is what interests them. So I think at a certain point in, in everyone's career is good to engage with a PR firm. But mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, they, they come to us because they, they need advice and guidance on, you know, how do we tell our story? This is what we want to say. Um, you know, this is what we could say, you know, what do you guys think is best? And so, yeah, it's important that they've come to us so we can help them with that narrative and bring it to the public. Um, you know, I think beforehand, you know, they they all are known to a certain degree in their industries. Um, but yeah, we're there to kind of, you know, really kind of get it out to the world, their story. That's amazing. And like, I want to talk a, a little bit about race. So, you know, a conversation about race has always articulated something in many women who have felt but never consciously considered. But how did you embrace yourself and, you know, become, and importantly, you know, become more invisible, like more visible and become a seat, like, you know, a CEO of a game? You know, here's the thing. I was always myself and I can never, I can, I was always my authentic self. I can never, you know, I can never change for anyone, right? So before I came to New York, I worked in television and I I worked in Chicago. And, you know, it's funny, I'd meet a lot of great people who wanted to mentor me, but they can never really resonate. Um, It wasn't until I moved to New York and, you know, I met my very close friend, um, and, and, and now a woman who I work with quite often, Anjula Acharya, um, and she, I started working with her company, They See Hits and with They See Hits, I handled campaigns for like Lady Gaga when she went to India to build her profile there or Rihanna and things like that. But, you know, with her being a South Asian woman, she 
resonated with me. And, you know, I got to be my true self. And I think just kind of really being proud of my culture and not hiding my identity, it helped me move further in life because I got to meet other like-minded women. Um, You know, I got to connect with other people like me. And and now, you know, we have so many clients that are South Asian Americans and Mm -hmm. I'm able to help them tell their stories because, you know, I've put it out there that, you know, I'm very proud of my culture. Um, you know, I, you know, enjoy listening to Indian music and I like Indian food. And it was with me being my authentic self, I was able to kind of find where I fit in and how I was able to help people. So I think that's really important. I think too many times we try to fit into corporate culture or we try to change ourselves. Um, but I think especially in this day and age, it's not about changing yourself, it's finding, you know, where you fit and how you could use your strengths to grow and, and, and excel in life. I think that's so beautiful. Like, I think it's so nice to embrace something like a culture that you feel like you can resonate with. And I think, you know, living in Europe, I always have this, you know, I've been living in Granada now 12, 12 years. And when I worked here, I always felt, so in Granada, I think I might be the only Asian I think I've seen a Sikh family or something. Um, so when I used to work for Spanish companies, they'd always introduce me um, as, oh, this is a girl who's English, but she doesn't look English. She's from, you know, her ethnic origin is from India, but she's married to a Spaniard and whatever. And literally there was, that's just me translating it from Spanish. And they'd always finish the sentences and, ah, no sé qué. And I always just find it really rude because it is rude. And I say to my husband, like, you know, this, I feel like frustrated because they're always questioning my identity. And it's really hard to move forward, especially as a woman here, but also because I'm not fitting a a box. I fit something outside of a box that this can't seem to understand that, you know, I'm British Indian. Um, And I think it's good that you've been able to, you know, empower that and, you know, move it forward. Yeah, the only way you'll move forward in life is, is if I think if you could really kind of be your authentic self. Um, I know for years and, and so many people, they've had to kind of just, you know, stick with what corporate life, you know, wants for them or what society wants for them. And, you know, we see this all the time with politicians who change their names so they can resonate more with the public. And, you know, I understand that to a certain degree, but I just also feel like, you know, you can't hide your real self forever. And I think, you know, you just have to say who you are and people will get to know you and it'll make it easier for the next person who um, wants to kind of talk more about their heritage and who they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to kind of get back towards food. So they say that eating makes us more creative. Mm -hmm. Do you agree to that? I think so. I mean, I think you get inspiration from anything. Mm -hmm. And um, I think food is just, you know, and I love looking at food blogs and um, I also really tune into like, you know, those cooking shows. I mean, I'm not like the best cook, but it's just kind of great to like watch, you know, people whip up recipes. And I think, you know, food is so much more than just, you know, enjoyment of, you know, the taste is also like the look, right? Like it's an art. And I think, you know, I kind of draw a lot of inspiration from 
um, you know, the way food is, um, you know, things are plated and they're put together and, um, you know, different spices and things. I mean, food is like love and it's like tradition and it's um, culture. And I think that, um, you know, it just, it's such a big part of our lives. And yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it's just, you know, you get, you can very easily get inspired by food. Definitely. I think, you know, in a, go- in a growing body of literature, you know, recipes, cookbooks, smells, they kind of ignite human senses. And I think, you know, eating is one of those like multi-sensory human behaviors. And I do you think, you know, when, when you eat, you feel happy, you feel sad, you can feel so many emotions. But do you think it should be one of those sort of, sort of, um, I don't know, like top kind of like places where you can have like a creative playground so you know if you're eating with your clients it's a place where you relax and when you relax your body just you know your mind just expands do you think it's a good place to start for building relationships with clients you know over food and sharing something and you know you know just talking about something you both enjoy and then go oh what about this and you know kind of leads into other conversations Absolutely. Because like, here's the thing, like food is something that unites all of us, right? Like we all eat. And, um, you know, like I said, like, you know, food is like love. I think for so many, um, you know, South Asian parents, like you and me, like our parents showed us their love by all the food that they gave us, right? Like everything that they're cooking for us. And, um, you know, I think that while you connect with someone who might be very different from you, you could always have a conversation about food and mm-hmm. over food and, you know, just things that you like and that you don't like. So I think it's that common ground. And like you said, it just makes it more casual. And, you know, it's funny that you say that because last night was um, the A-game holiday dinner um, okay. for my team. And um, we had it at this restaurant called Tao. I don't know if Tao's in the, the UK, but in the US, they have a few different locations. And, you know, I ordered so much food because, you know, to me, food is love. And like, you know, I was always taught that, you know, when you have guests over, you, or, you know, you, you make sure you feed them and you give them so much food. And so I think my team really enjoyed that. Like I, I went all out on just having so much food at the table, but you know, like you said, like, you know, they were talking about the food and it made it more casual and it was kind of our time to really connect with each other. So I couldn't agree enough. I mean, food makes magic happen. So um, yeah, with my clients, yeah, all the time when I take them out to lunches, it's always fun and casual. And we always talk about food food and yeah I think it's just a common conversation that I feel like I've had with almost everyone I've worked with just because it comes up like what they like to eat what they don't like to eat what they want to eat before they do an interview on air what they don't want to eat so absolutely I mean I think that you know the whole theme of your podcast is so important and so many different conversations can come out of it definitely I think because as well like I think food in general relates to origins um food like like identity um you know sharing you know something could have you know that moment where you meet someone over dinner you connect and your whole life can just change to so many it's such a I think it's a catalyst for so many things mm-hmm. um but you know I remember growing up as a child you know families always eat around the table or on the floor where you you know were you able to share your ideas with your family about things you wanted to do aspirations career choices like you know was it a supportive background it was I mean my my parents were always very supportive I mean I think that they were a bit nervous about me 
wanting to go on the creative side only because they just, you know, like you mentioned earlier, um, they just didn't know much about it. They always assumed, you know, the whole, um, you know, stability of being a doctor or lawyer. That's what they knew. And that's what they would have wanted me to do. So they were nervous, but they wanted me to be happy. And they felt secure that I was educated. I mean, I ended up getting a graduate degree just to make them happy. I don't know if I necessarily needed it. Um, But they felt secure in other ways. And then when I made it, they just they, they saw that it worked and you don't necessarily have to follow a certain path to accomplish your goals and live a secure life. So I was fortunate. I, 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 I've been a lot around a lot of peers, especially South Asian or just Asian in general. And um, they their parents weren't as supportive. So I think I was one of the luckier ones. No, definitely. I think I think for me, um, my mom was really creative and very sporty, but my dad was more. You've got to go somewhere in the medicine field, like doctor, pharmacy, whatever. And I was torn between the two. But then I think when my mom passed away when I was really young, so my dad became right. That's it. You're going to study something in science, and I was like, not happening, not happening at all. So I felt culturally. I was fighting with what I wanted to do and trying to get the support of my father to go, it's acceptable, you can do it. And I did it. I was like, you know what, either I'd be unhappy and study something I don't want to do or follow my dream and enjoy it and excel. And and I think it's important, you know, to sometimes just follow, regardless of the expectations people kind of want from you. Exactly. And I've learned that as much as you want to make your family happy, Mm -hmm. you have to do what's good for you because that will make you the most successful at the end of it all. When all is said and done, you will be happiest and the most successful when you follow your heart. And even if it doesn't work out, you know, you don't want to ever regret not trying it out. As long as, you know, you're safe and uh, you don't, you know, you don't go too far and, and be unrealistic about things. I think it's very important for all of us to try things out. And our parents will come around. They, at the end of the day, they just want what's best for us. Definitely. Because like, you know, I know people, you know, relatives or friends and their parents chose their topics for university. And what I found was these people, unfortunately, they failed that, you know, instead of taking two years at college, they ended up taking three years or four years because they were fighting to make their parents proud they were also studying a subject that they necessarily didn't excel in, but they wanted to do something different. But now they're in this career just because their parents chose it for them. And I think to myself, are you going to be happy your entire life doing something you necessarily aren't going to be happy doing? You know, and do, I think there might be a lot of people like that. A ton of people like that. I have so many friends who just for years were trying to get into medical school. They didn't even really necessarily have the aptitude for science, but they felt like that's what they had to do because being the doctor was an end all for their family and their community. And a lot of them didn't even make it into medical school. And I think that was even it was it was it disrupted their journey so much you know where they just didn't really have a chance to figure out what they really wanted to do or what they were passionate about because they had all this pressure to be the doctor their parents wanted them to be so i think aside from being unhappy it actually could really set you into the wrong path 
something that you don't like doing, something that is not your strength. I mean, those are very serious things that I think sometimes parents need to think about when they pressure their kids to follow certain fields. It has to come to them naturally. 100%, 100%. And I think, you know, today, I think many PR, like agency networks, are headed by women such as yourselves. But in order for this to become a standard, it requires an introspection on and an action at every level. What are your thoughts on this? I I agree. I think that we always say women need to help women. If you want to see your community grow more, you need to like support your ideas mm-hmm. and offer your help. And yeah, I agree. I mean, I think as a woman, I do my job and championing other women and everyone just kind of keeps needs to doing the same thing and, you know, sharing their messages and doing what they can so we can help each other. And also just, you know, we also need to help ourselves. And like you said, you know, you need to follow your heart. But have you come across people that, you know, is that whole thing of I've made it. So if somebody else wants to follow in that journey, they're not necessarily as supportive because the whole thing of I've made it, why should you make it? Or I don't want you to make it. There's that slight jealousy or think of not helping other people have you experienced that before in definitely definitely and that will always be there there'll always be people like that but there also will always be a lot of people that aren't like that Mm -hmm. it's just important that you find the right people to connect with and keep those people in your orbit you're going to find both in life Pyle Kadakia, one of my clients, um, once said, I think, you know, not once, she said this a bunch of times, where even who you work for is very important to make sure that they are championing you and they see the potential in you. Because if you work for someone who's just having you do a job, but isn't necessarily there to kind of support your growth, well, that doesn't really help you. So I think what I'm trying to say is that every individual in your life, you just need to make sure that they're the right ones for you. There will always be people who are jealous, but then there'll be people who want to help you and see the potential in you. And sometimes even when they want to help you, they might not see the potential in you, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. You just need to find the right person to connect with. 100%. And I think, you know, your clients see you as a passionate mentor and, you know, this results in a positive cycle that opens your eyes to new, possi- um, to new possibilities. How do you feel knowing you are, you know, that seed in changing their lives and, you know, for their careers? I feel very fortunate. I think everyone wants to make an impact in the world. And I feel like I've really found my true calling. And because of that, I help people achieve their goals and dreams and inspiring others. I feel very lucky. I'm very fortunate, not just because I can help my clients, but also so that I could be there for my team, the A-game team. Uh, I help them pursue their dreams in PR and, you know, being able to do what they do in a very kind of happy and healthy environment. So fortunate. I'm lucky. So have you, like, been able to help, for example, you know, somebody comes to you with this idea and they've not necessarily had the support or the backing of anyone. Have you help them nurture this idea into like a global successful business of you know for example someone says I've discovered this pen and this pen's I don't know it's a magic you know it's magic it does this this and this have you put them into the right you know introduced to the right people to help expand on this idea and make it successful business what I'll say is I've definitely connected people who haven't found 
the right people to support them in making their dreams come true. I've definitely put, pe- you know, I'm, I'm a connector. So I've definitely okay. put people in touch um, to help lead them in the right direction. So some people could call you the fairy godmother. So you have that like magic wand and go, that's it, you know, want to connect to you. You know, I think so many women that I work with and I know are truly fairy godmothers. They're magic makers. And uh, it's just, it's, it's great. It's, it's all about, and that's like the thing, right? You need to find the person that can make the magic happen. And, you know, there's a lot of incredible women out there that are doing it. Okay. And I think my last question to you is, what words of advice would you give to someone to nudge them to consider an opportunity that might, you know, they might think is out of reach, but you can see the potential in them. You need to go for it. If you are the only person who knows what you can truly do, people will try to label you and say, you can do this or you can't do this. I've had so many people say that. And some of them have been very successful people who thought they knew what they were doing, but I've proved them wrong. So if you know you have the potential, don't give up. I mean, connect with the person who sees that in you as well and can help you get there. It's all about finding the right person. Again, like, you know, it's about being realistic. Um, I know Priyanka Chopra, who I've worked with before, and, you know, my good friend Anjula is her manager. You know, she always said that, I think she said that she had like a one-year plan to see if she would make it in acting. And so I think it's good to kind of, you know, set realistic expectations for yourself. But if you know you have the talent, you can do it. Find the person that will take you there and, and you know, go through the journey of finding out where you need to be. Don't give up. It's it's a hard, it's, it's a hard and long road and you'll meet a lot of people who discourage you or don't see your vision but you know you should never take that as you know it as as their vision not being the right one go after your dreams I think that's absolutely beautiful and Anita I want to say thank you so much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure and I know from what you've been saying a lot of people and I hope lots of women find it absolutely inspirational so thank you so much I hope so too and thank you for having me on this podcast. It was so much fun, Anisha. I think it's so sweet for you to connect with me and I look forward to someday meeting you in person. I hope so too. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thank you.